Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. I proudly serve as the host of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We've got an awesome show planned for you today. Coming up at 3.30, Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports will be with us to talk about all of the recent coach firings that we've seen in the sport. Could Brian Harson be one of the next ones? What does Marcello think about the Auburn football season so far? We'll chat with him at 3.30 today. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer is on the show at 4.30. We've got birthdays in sports and a nightly TV guide all set to take place on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. J.J. Jackson alongside my buddies Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress. Brooks Childress, how are you, sir? I am doing fine. Um... I'm a little stressed, but not not too bad because I you know you uh, looking at the Braves. Uh, what a great night last night after a really good weekend. And me and uh, Brant were we we discussed it a little bit off air um, earlier, but you know the Mets are still in contention. The Braves only need one. All they've got to do is just win one, or the Mets lose one. Um, speaking of which, I meant to check the score. Uh, well, they start here in about. Right now, they're the first game of a doubleheader today starts right now against the Nationals. So, Braves fans, keep an eye on the, uh, the what the Mets are doing up there. But all you need is one, a combination of either Braves win or the Mets lose, one of those two. But, you know, it, it, I know you, you, we shouldn't be worried because, you know, the, the Braves are good enough to beat the Marlins at least once out of these three. But w- once you got that first loss in the first game, you kind of the doubt kind of started creeping into your mind, and that would just absolutely be awful if Braves country celebrated like they won the NL East and then somehow the uh, the Marlins sweep the Braves this week and send the Braves back to the wild card spot and they would play Friday night or Saturday sometime around there. But I got to stay positive, but just a little stressed about that. And then, uh, yeah, not a really great Monday night football game last night. The the 49ers kind of dominated that football game. Um, and so continues to be, you know, a, a wild NFL season as the, the Rams are still looking for help there. And, of course, you know, we continue to head toward a, a big clash this weekend in another edition of the Deep South's oldest rivalry between Auburn and Georgia and continue to look at that. I know we talked about it yesterday a little bit, but uh, – you know, uh, we got in the news yesterday that Eculiota is probably going to be out for the year. They don't know for sure, but probably trending that way. And then uh, Zach Calzada will not be seeing any playing time this year. We, we hadn't seen him up to this point, but uh, Brian Harson yesterday confirmed the rumors that he will be getting a, a season-ending shoulder surgery. And But we'll see what happens there. But Zach Calzada continues to uh, – what he uh, chooses to do with the rest of his college career if he stays at Auburn or decides he wants to go elsewhere like a lot of student-athletes do. But – we're continuing to move on with the great sports week, so can't wait to talk about it and can't wait to talk about all of our callers. 
yeah, talk about all of our callers yeah. or talk with our callers? That too. Yeah. Should we do like a, a uh, Mount Rushmore Get, of sports uh, call callers or do, a draft? You, what is the, is, it's an icebreaker that you like, you call, you know, you, you get in class. It's like, tell us one interesting thing about yourself. That's what we're going to do today. Okay. Icebreakers. Okay. I like it. Yeah. How about mm-hmm. we talk with our callers? We could do that On too. the show. 334-887-3401. Although a fantasy draft might be fun uh, having to go around snake draft order and kind of pick some of our favorite callers. I wonder if people's thoughts would snake be hurt. draft? Uh, Feelings would be hurt. Yeah. Thoughts be hurt. Feelings. Sorry. Yeah. You correct me. I correct you. Right, and it's we're good, even. It's even. I like it. Back of the plateau. Yeah. A snake draft, Brant. Yeah. Yeah. Snake. Snake. We have a caller named Snake. Right. Who calls in We do. Now and good then. point. Snake from Pulaski County. Exactly. Once we get closer to Arkansas week, I'm sure we'll hear from him. Absolutely. Ass has become the norm. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. Uh, it's good to see you. Like, yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to be here, man. Uh, like Brooks, I am semi-stressed and not super stressed about the Braves. Uh you know, coming off such an emotional weekend that the Braves had, and uh, that kind of coming down from that, you kind of, you might have expected the offense to not be great. Also, you're out there throwing a Triple A pitcher and Bryce Elder, who looked fantastic against the Nationals, but most people have looked fantastic against the Nationals this year, so not really, and not really too disappointing that you lost that game. Maybe you you would have rather see the offense do a little bit more than they did, but the fact that you know you've got two more games to win one or maybe the nationals can just do something useful and beat the Mets. They are professional baseball players. So hopefully that's what should give you hope. The only thing that needs to happen is the Mets have to lose a baseball game. Yeah, that's it. Or the Braves can just go ahead and win one against the Marlins against the Marlins. Now they are pitching Jake Odorizzi tonight, who has not been just fantastic, but he, (laughs) he again is not bad. He's got an ERA of about three and a half, maybe four point something, low fours, which is pretty bad. But the People Braves can score more stressed. than the Braves can score more than three runs in a game. So I think they'll be fine. Uh, they are starting uh, William Contreras at DH tonight, so you have the best DH on your lineup uh, in your lineup. I think they are pitching. They are going with the ideal Braves roster right now, uh, or uh, Braves lineup, I should say. Uh, talking about. Auburn, yeah. Let me let me get one Go thought in here. Go when you it. mentioned Odorizzi getting the start, I saw last night, and again, his time with the Braves just hasn't been uh, as amazing as you would have hoped for. There's still a lot of meaningful baseball to be played, and if this guy has an epic moment in the postseason, we're going to love Which Jake won't. Odorizzi. Uh, but uh, I saw Mark Bowman, MLB.com Braves beat writer, tweet out that Odorizzi would get the start for the Braves today. And last night, one of the top comments I saw underneath it was, "Who's pitching the second inning?" And uh, I said, "Wow, bless, bless." I said, "Ouch, ouch." Well, I mean, it, it's a valid question because the better Brave starters, I mean, Morton and Wright, have not looked good in the first inning of these games, and Jake Odorizzi is not a guy who gets off to fast starts very often, right. so. Hopefully he can make it through the first inning. Uh, I saw earlier today he is sitting at 101.1 innings on the season. He needs 110 for a million-dollar bonus. So he has to just pitch a complete game tonight, and he's going to get a million dollars just for this one start. So if he pulls that off, I think the Braves will be okay. I thought that you were saying he needed 110 more innings. No, 110 total. And I would have been like, I hate to break this to Odorizzi. I think that's going to be hard to uh, accomplish. Eight and one. He needs eight and two thirds more innings. Okay. 
And if you get it eight and two thirds, might as well let him get the twenty seventh. You know, it could happen. Yeah, no doubt about that. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one. What do you want to say about Auburn? Yeah, the offense. I mean, the the, it, the big thing right now is that the offense doesn't score in the second half. But in the past couple of games, we've seen this offense kind of stagnate. They they haven't been able to do anything. They haven't been able to move the ball at all. That was not the case in this game. In this game, they were able to move the ball. It's just the turnovers, man. Auburn beat LSU badly in every statistical category that matters except for turnovers and points on the board. And it's insane how often those two go hand in hand. And it's it's weird because, you know, I've, I've already said, like, I'm ready to move on from Brian Harson if that's what Auburn decides to do. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. I think at this point it would be odd to keep him because I think he's shown, like, maybe he's a good football coach, but he's just not the guy to write this ship. Uh, but, you know, you can't blame Brian Harson for Camden Brown not running the right route and Coy Moore deciding to throw that ball anyway. Right. You can't blame – I hate to pick on Coy Moore, but you can't blame Brian Harson for, for Coy Moore catching a pass and, having it, and having it ripped out of his hands. You know, that's not on Brian Harson. And, yes, I understand the DB said, hey, they ran that play six times. They didn't run that play six times in a row. They didn't. They ran that play six times throughout the game, which is a lot to call one play, but it's not unheard of. It's, I don't know, I, it's hard to blame that loss purely on coaching, even though I think there were moments where you can look back and go, eh, that wasn't ideal. I wouldn't have called that play. I wouldn't have, I would not have made that particular adjustment. I, there's a lot going on in this game. Um, and I really wish that Auburn could have won it because I am not optimistic about Saturday. Let's see what happens. Saturday, Auburn takes on Georgia from Sanford Stadium there in Athens. We've got to take our first time out. We celebrate birthdays in sports right after this on Sports Call. Us on tweeters. Follow our sports call host, JJ Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at sports call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. Coming up here in just a few moments, we'll chat with our good pal Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports. Looking forward to catching up with him on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. But for now, we want to take your phone calls as we go to the phone lines for the first time during today's show. Tony from Tuskegee. Tony has called into today's edition of Sports Call. Hi there, Tony. Yeah, how y'all doing? Very well. How are you, sir? All right. You all may think I'm crazy, but this weekend, I'm eager. I like Auburn to beat Georgia. What makes you say that? Well, you look at Auburn. I mean, you look at Georgia. Georgia hasn't played really good football. You look at them against Kent State and some other schools. Georgia has struggled. Yeah. It's not like they were last year in the farm. If the quarterback have a halfway decent good game, um, get in Georgia, it'll be a close game, but I like Auburn to win. 
and War Eagle. War Eagle. All right. Yeah, that's Tony from Tuskegee joining us there on the program. We hope Auburn can win against Georgia. Georgia hasn't played their best football the last two weeks against Kent State and against Missouri. They've won those games. They have also a pretty dominant conference win in the SEC, 48-7 to against South Carolina. And, of course, they won the very first week of the year, 49-3 to against Oregon. So, uh, it is right to point out the fact that Georgia has not played that well the last two weeks, but they still have some pretty dominant wins that they've already gotten this season, guys. Yeah, I, I admire Tony's enthusiasm. I don't exactly share it. Um, I hope, like like you said, I hope Auburn wins. I hope I'm dead wrong, and that Auburn just comes out and plays the game of their life. And Georgia is actually not as good as everybody thought. And you know, the redemption of Brian Harson begins. But I, I just don't see it happening. Honestly, I, I, Georgia's really good. Their players are so good. Um, I, we've talked about their tight end room. They have the best tight end room in the country. They have guys in that tight end room alone. That, probably three of them that are going to be first round draft picks. At least two. Uh, and you know, it doesn't stop there. They've got really, really good players uh, everywhere, uh, and I understand they lost a lot last year, but they've kind of reloaded. Which, and it, I don't think they're as good as they were last year, especially on defense. But they're still really dead gum good, and uh, I, I don't see that changing. I don't see Auburn being the one to to break the camel's back on that one. It's just been way too long since we've seen Auburn win Absolutely. in Athens. It's Absolutely. been a really long time since the Tigers have won there. LSU was the opponent we kept bringing up for Auburn as, okay, when are they going to get a chance to win there again? And finally they did a season ago. Auburn has not won in Athens since 2005, a really long time ago since Auburn's won there in Athens at Sanford Stadium. Hopefully that can change this upcoming weekend. All right, before we get to our conversation with Brandon Marcello, let's celebrate today's birthdays. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports here today on October 4th, 2022. Happy birthday to Mike Williams, turning 28 years old, an NFL wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers, seventh overall pick in 2017, a college football national champion for the Clemson Tigers. Let's go Tigers. Does it take it away if I include the mascot in the no, I'm still gonna say description? It. I'm sorry if I ruined that for it you. Makes, it makes it less impressive, but everyone knows who Clemson's mascot is. Yeah. True. Uh, Jabril Peppers is turning 27 years old. NFL strong safety with the New England Patriots. Drafted 25th overall by the Cleveland Browns in the 2017 NFL Draft. Has played with the Browns, Giants, and Patriots in his career. Three years of college football at Michigan, where he was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Big Ten Freshman of the Year, and a unanimous All-American. Jabril Peppers is turning Go 27 years old. Blue. Derek Rose is turning 34. Derrick Rose is an NBA point guard for the New York Knicks. Drafted first overall by the Chicago Bulls in the 2008 NBA Draft. He's played in his career for the Bulls, Knicks, Cavaliers, Timberwolves, and Pistons. Three-time All-Star. The NBA Rookie of the Year in 2009. The youngest NBA MVP in league history. He won that award in 2011. He was a national championship game runner-up while playing one year of college basketball for the Memphis Tigers. A two-time FIBA World Cup gold medal winner in 2010 and 2014. Derrick Rose is turning 34 years old today. Go Tigers. 
Happy birthday to Kurt Suzuki, who's turning 39 years old today, the MLB catcher for the Los Angeles Angels. He played college baseball at Cal State Fullerton, where he was a national champion in 2004. The Johnny Bench Award winner for the top collegiate catcher in 04. Drafted in the second round of the draft that year by the Oakland Athletics. He's played for the Athletics, Nationals, Twins, Braves, and Angels. Has over 140 home runs, over 725 RBIs, a one-time All-Star, won the World Series with the Nationals in 2019. Kurt Suzuki is turning 39 years old today. Could turn around anyone's fastball. And then finally, fastball hitter. Tony La Russa is turning 78 years old. Boom. He is now formally the manager of the Chicago White Sox just days ago announced that he would officially step away from that post. He played in 132 MLB games from 1963 until 73 with the Athletics, Braves, and Cubs. Managed his first MLB game with the White Sox in 1979. Has also managed the Athletics and Cardinals. Three-time World Series champion. Four-time manager of the year. His number 10 jersey is retired by the Cardinals. He's a member of the Cardinals and Athletics Hall of Fame. A member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame of 2014 inductee. Tony LaRusso, 78 years old today. Our birthdays in sports brought to you by Max Credit Union. Two convenient locations to help serve you. One in Auburn on Gay Street, one in Opelika on Frederick Road. October 4th, 2022, celebrating the birthdays today of Mike Williams, Jabril Peppers, Derek Rose, Kurt Suzuki, and Tony LaRusso. Let's take our next time out here on today's show. Brandon Marcello joins the program right after this. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401. Or toll free at one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. The Sports Call Podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts and join ice cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. J.J. Jackson with Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry on this Tuesday edition of the program. And we are so thrilled to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a longtime friend of the program, Brandon Marcello for 24-7 Sports. If I were to count the number of times we've chatted with Marcello over the years, wouldn't even know what that number would be. Uh, so grateful for his time as always. And he joins us here on this Tuesday. Brandon, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you today, sir? Doing well. How are you guys? Very well. Thank you for asking. Excited to see this uh, football team and football season continue to move forward. The month of October all of a sudden is here about a third of the way through. It's it's so funny. We wait forever for the sport to get here, and then next thing you know, it always feels like it just flies by, Brandon. Yeah, it's incredible. I, you know, I was talking to people earlier today. We're near the midpoint, and but I never thought I'd be halfway through, potentially almost halfway through the college football season and, and be talking about maybe going to Lawrence, Kansas <laughs> to cover a game. 
But that that's where we are at college football. You just never know. Yeah, I mean, such great stories across the sport. A lot of great teams and, and teams already making changes at their head coaching position. And Brian Harson could be one of those guys. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But the number of firings that we've seen already, are you surprised uh, that we've seen so many so far? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, we've had five in the Power Five so far. Um, and, you know, which is kind of crazy. We're about like two weeks ahead of schedule of where we were last year. And last year was almost a record-breaking year. Um, I'm not so sure we're going to have as many staff turnovers as we did last year. We had 29 head coaches change in the FBS. I don't think we'll see that many this year. But the, the firing cycles are beginning earlier because of, one, the transfer portal and the, the pressure that goes along with that. And then secondly, just the, the sweepstakes of going after coaches and then the hot coaches right now. You know, Nebraska and Wisconsin, for example, they've got similar coaches that they want to go after. And that one of those is Lance Leopold at, at Kansas. Um, and he's going to be the hottest name probably in this, in this cycle. And so people are trying to get an early, early start on everything. I legit was going to ask that question. Why are we seeing it get started so early? So transfer portal is there. We've now got the signing day that takes place in December and that sort of thing. So uh, do you think this is going to become more customary if an athletic department says, hey, we've got to make a switch. Let's go ahead and make it now so that we can start building momentum for the future. Yeah, until, you know, I mean, we've seen that the calendar is going to change here and it is has changed with the transfer portal where you can only enter it now and starting in December and again back in May. Um, so that's going to slow things. But the, the issue still is you have the early signing date um, in early December, and the transfer portal is still going to be opening up in early December. So you got to have someone in place before that all happens. And a lot of them want them in place as soon as the season ends or right before the season ends. I mean, goodness, look at Texas Tech. They had someone in place well before all that with Joey McGuire coming over from Baylor. And they were able to kind of salvage their, their uh, recruiting class and actually improve upon it because he was able to come in earlier. So that's the kind of the space, the headspace these ADs and administrators are in. But also there's so much more at stake right now. You don't want to get left behind because of, one, the conference realignment. And also these teams that are staying within their conferences and not moving around, they got to be in stronger positions to maintain their health. So, for example, Colorado – if you had told me in the preseason that they would be winless at this point, what are they going to do with their coach, Carl Durrell? I would have said, well, they're going to wait till 2023 because they've got some money issues that they're dealing with right now. They're not going to want to make the move. And the move that they've circled is they're going to make a cut bait there is 2023. But they went up and decided to make the change this past week, and that's because they got to be in a position to where they might be able to try and sell themselves to go to the Big 12 or for that matter, help keep the Pac-12 alive because they're on shaky ground there. So we're in a very precarious situation for a lot of these schools that have maybe decisions that they would like to push off a year or two that all of a sudden they got to make uh, those decisions and maybe some rash ones right now. Yeah, I didn't even think about the conference realignment perspective in this. And uh, again, we mentioned uh, Brian Harson's name in this at Auburn, and uh, we'll get to that, I'm sure. But you also mentioned some of these athletic departments, Georgia Tech being one of them that's already made a change in leadership with that football program. They've also got schools that don't have athletic directors. And then how do you make decisions like this, Brandon? I mean, it gets so chaotic, I feel like. 
Yeah, it's crazy, but it's not the first time and it won't be the last time you see people making decisions without athletic directors. And, you know, Georgia Tech's president just fired their AD and their head coach at the same time. Um, and listen, um, head coaches are hired sometimes without an AD in place, or for that matter, um, they're just kind of filled in on the process by the other administrators of this is who they're bringing in. Um, so keep that in mind as Auburn goes down this trek here over the next few weeks of what's going to happen with Brian Harson. Um, you know, I believe for a while that they would wait until the end of the season to make a judgment call of some sort there. But things don't look good there. They have not improved week to week. Um, you want to win, obviously, but to lose the way that they have, it seems like they just find new ways. And for that matter, record-breaking ways to lose. Uh, doing things in the SEC that haven't been done in a decade plus with the way they've lost, um, especially this past week against LSU. So uh, this is a um, – I'm sure you guys have talked about it. It's a critical week uh, for Brian Harson. I think he knows it. And, you know, people say that maybe the writing's on the wall. Well, to me, the, the writing has moved from the wall to Brian Harson's face. You could see it on his face at the end of that LSU game you could see that he kind of knows that things have gone south, and at this point, what does the future hold? Uh, I don't think we've seen him like that after a game in his career so far there at Auburn. And, um, you know, the chatter will continue, um, and unless there's just an absolute miracle that he's got up his sleeve, that uh, I think the, the, the ending has already been written. Brandon, let's look at some uh, some other national headlines. Brent Venables is in his first year as the head coach at Oklahoma, and already people are unhappy. What in the world is going on in Oklahoma right now? Yeah, I mean, we thought he'd come in and improve that defense right away, right? That's his thing. He's the defensive corner at Clemson, that top five defense is there every year. Comes into OU, and that's been their Achilles heel. Giving up 55 points, goodness gracious, to TCU last week. And the issue has been for these last two games – is they allowed so much on the ground, and not just from running backs, but quarterbacks. Two quarterbacks have rushed for 100-plus yards against them, with Max Duggan last week, and of course Adrian Martinez two weeks ago at Kansas State, and they've lost back-to-back games. I mean, listen to this, guys. OU has lost back-to-back games in the regular season only twice since 1999, and here they are. And Brent Venables is not necessarily feeling pressure because it's his first year, but a lot of questions like, how are you going to fix this? Are you going to take over play calling duties for the defense? Are you maybe meddling too much already with the defense? People are criticizing him already in Norman. Then you have an offense that has been doing well that all of a sudden doesn't have its quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, the transfer from UCF. He's going through a concussion protocol. He was knocked out early in that game against TCU. He's very questionable going into the Red River rivalry, and this is the biggest game for them all season, in my opinion. They're three and two, and so is Texas. But Texas goes into this game favored for the first time in 13 years, and so a lot of just bad, negative vibes going on at OU in a place where you know the criticism has always been, "Oh, we made the playoff, but we can't win a game." Now we're talking about, "Can we win a game?" Um, and that's just not typical there at OU, and it hasn't been typical there in more than 22, 23, actually, I'd say 25 years now. 
Brandon, I want to take it back into the SEC now to another place. You mentioned bad vibes up there in Oklahoma. There's a lot of bad vibes going on right now in College Station, Texas, as the Texas A&M sitting at 3-2, and two, a team that a lot of people thought was a dark horse for the, the playoff this year. And they're coming up onto a, a game that I think everybody in the college football world kind of circled after you know the the events that happened in the offseason between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. What, what is, you know, what, what's going on in, in College Station right now? Well, you're right. A lot of criticism, a lot of pressure there. And to me, this is a lost season for Texas A&M. This was supposed to be the start of them revving it up and challenging Alabama and Georgia to be the top team in the SEC. And instead, they look like a mid-team. And that shouldn't be the case with as much talent they have on their roster. I think, according to our 24-7 sports composite, they have the fourth most talented roster in all of college football as of right now. And they're not even worthy of being discussed as a top 35 team right now. So that's, that's a big issue. But the biggest issue here is, is that they should be much better. They could be much better if the head coach, Jimbo Fisher, wasn't so stubborn with his offense. He has not been willing to revolutionize. I say revolutionize. It would be a revolution for him, considering how stagnant that offense looks. But that offense is a decade old. It's way behind the times. It's not explosive. He's not utilizing the weapons he has correctly. And that's why they're struggling right now. Not the defense. It's not just something going on with depth or talent. It's the offense, the offensive play calling, and that filtering through everything else in that program. So Jimbo Fisher needs to make a change there. He has got to relinquish play calling duties. He's got to go out, hire someone who's going to modernize that offense and take advantage of all the weapons that he's recruited. Does he do that? I don't know. He's stubborn, as I said. But what happens if, say, they finish around 500 this season, say that happens, and the administration there at A&M goes, listen, pay me a lot of money. We're not paying you to be stupid. Go out and hire an offensive coordinator and modernize this thing. But what if, what if Fisher says, well, you're right. You paid me all this money to run the program my way, and I'm going to run it my way. I'm not hiring an OC. I'm doing it my way. Well, then I think he's on the hot seat next year. And regardless of that buyout money, A&M will find it, and they will buy him out. We could be talking about A&M making a coaching change next year if, again, a lot of hypotheticals there, if one A&M struggles continuously here this season and he decides I'm not going to tweak anything offensively. That's a lot of things to say to say this. The pressure is on, and again, we've been saying it for the last year or so, it's national championship or bust over these next four years in Aggie land. And Jimbo Fisher, to do that, has got to look at himself in the mirror and realize what he's doing is just not getting it done. He's got to relinquish the power of that offense. Talking to Brandon Marcel from 247 Sports. Brandon, five hours ago you, you had an article posted online as college football playoff contenders and pretenders heading into this week six. I don't want you to give away the whole article because we obviously want everybody to go and read it, but can you highlight one team on each side of that, the a contender or pretender at this point through the year? Yeah, I, I think to me, you know, everybody's questioning Georgia right now. Um, I, I'm not. I think Georgia is one board. <laughs> with the opponents on their schedule. <laughs> Secondly, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. and No one's really talking about that for some reason. Um, they've been dealing with injuries at receiver. Um, three guys have been injured the last two weeks off and on, and now they've just lost Jalen Carter, their best player maybe regardless of position, at defensive tackle, 
with an MCL injury, and he's going to be out maybe probably the next couple of weeks. So they're going through some stuff. They're struggling a little bit. Stetson Bennett has not been able to utilize the weapons around him because they're just not out there. And now the defense is struggling a little bit. So, But they, they keep winning. They find ways to win. When they have to turn it on, they do. So I think it's a combination of two things there. They'll be fine. Their schedule sets up to, as such that they should be fine here over the next few weeks as they heal up. So just keep that in mind. As far as a pretender, hmm, let me see here. What's a good team I would consider as a pretender? Um, I would have to go with uh, Tennessee because uh, that defense, listen, that defense has been like top 25 type of defense this season statistically. And their third down stoppage rate last season, if you guys looked at it last year, that's what held them back last season. They were 101st nationally in getting off the field on third downs defensively. Well, they're 16th now. They, they have made marked improvement there. But then there's like, there's an underlying condition here that you just feel like is going to lead to that number dropping off again. And that's pass defense. They're 128th nationally in pass defense guys, wow. this season. But yet they're 16th nationally in getting off the field on third downs. That pass defense that number, that doesn't go away, and that's going to creep up and chip into that third-down defense. And so I think they're a pretender a little bit on defense, and they're going to be, I think, what we saw last season, that's going to hurt them at some point. And, heck, it almost hurt them against Florida in that crazy, weird comeback Florida was putting together in the final minutes a couple weeks ago. And, again, Tennessee's schedule, just so incredibly tough. I mean, goodness gracious. They not only have to play Alabama next week, they also have to play Georgia. And so get this, they're going to have to go at least two and one against Alabama and Georgia this season to make the playoffs. <laughs> that, that's just not happening, guys. You're going to have to beat Alabama twice, potentially, or at least Georgia once and then Alabama. That's just no one's going to be able to do that. No one in this country can do that. And the top team, I think that I, I, I've been reluctant to say this because I almost put them number one, but I held back. Ohio State's probably the best team in the country right now. Ohio State couldn't do that right now. Um, And uh, to think Tennessee's going to do that with that defense, and again, that under I call it the underlying condition, that pass defense is atrocious, and that third-down defense is going to come down a little bit because they just can't stop the pass. Brendan Marcello's here with us again from 24-7 Sports. Follow him on Twitter, at BMarcello. You were back on the planes ahead of the Penn State game. Got a chance to catch up with Coach Hartson yourself, Brandon, in a one-on-one conversation that folks can go back and find at 247sports.com. But in reality, where does Auburn go from here? I mean, how do you see these next few weeks playing out for the Tigers? Well, it's never good when you go on the road. To Georgia, right. and it hasn't been for the last 15 years for Auburn for whatever reason. We've seen the some of the better teams in Auburn modern history go there and just lay an egg. Um, I, I, and I don't, I've never been able to understand it. So it almost makes me think that this game is going to be like a like a decided in the final minutes, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah. how it will end up. So being. we're setting it up, yeah. Like a, yeah, it'll be like a 10 to seven game, and it could be. Who knows? I'll say this. You guys see it up close. You guys see it in person. Those kids are playing their tails off. They're going after it. They're, they haven't given up. And uh, that's what makes it so difficult to watch uh, with Auburn right now. 
I just don't think they have the depth to, to hang with a lot of teams in the SEC, even LSU last week. Um, I was impressed with the way they jumped out on LSU last week. They had a good game plan. Like Robbie Ashford was really got them going, put some excitement in there. But as we've seen, it just tails off, the trails off for whatever reason. I think depth is an issue. That's, the, that's probably one of the big things there. But also, it just doesn't look good on the coaches as far as coaching adjustments after halftime and in-game adjustments. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the five-game home stands over, and you should have exited it 4-1, and one, if not 5-0. and oh. And uh, now they're 3-2, and two, and the back half of the schedule is not only <laughs> games on the road more so, but also, it's the toughest part of the entire schedule. Right. And uh, I, I just don't see how they rebound from this and, and how Brian Arson uh, saves his job. And then everybody wants to know what's next, but we've got time and days to kind of figure it out for this go Auburn football Go hire Deion pro- Sanders. Go hire Deion Sanders. If you're going to make a change, go hire Deion. I'm telling you, he's a great CEO type. He doesn't get enough credit for that. I think he would do marvelous work at a Power 5 program. Someone's going to hire him. If Auburn will just stand out of his way, let him recruit, do things his way, he's a great CEO behind the scenes. I don't think people give him enough credit for that. They think he's all flash and everything. He knows how to run a business. He knows how to run a program. I would go after Deion Sanders. I would, quote, unquote, take that risk, which to me is not a risk. I would go hire Deion. I think that'd be remarkable. If I'm Auburn, I'm getting Charles Barkley on the phone. I'm having him call Dion, set up a golf outing, tell him what he loves about the opportunity, and and go from there. Do you, I just I don't know that Auburn makes a move like that, Brandon. Could you see them actually doing that? No, probably not. Yeah. Um, I think I think crazy too flashy. would be going to get. Yeah, I think crazy to them would be going to get Lane Kiffin, which would be also a great hire, and probably the more likely one. But I would go get Dion. I think he would change things overnight there. I'd love it. That'd be outstanding. We'll see how it plays out and if and when uh, something like that could happen. Do you enjoy your trip back to Auburn, Brandon? I mean, you got the football facility coming up. Downtown's adding a, a Target and a Publix to College and Gay Street opening <laughs> here soon. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely changing here on the Plains. Yeah, that Publix scared me. And then, of course, <laughs> not seeing Key. That Coyotes there was weird, and I wish I could have went inside that football facility. It looks impressive. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for the time, as always. It's good to catch up with you, Brandon. All right. See you guys. All right. That's our pal Brandon Marcello joining us here on the program. Yeah, I, I drove by that Publix on Gay Street the other day, and it's like, oh, wow, this is uh, pretty much done. There's a parking yeah. lot and everything. Yeah. This thing is uh, this thing's taking over, Brooks. Times are a-changing, man. Yeah, they sure are. But, um, yeah, I can't wait to get a you know, downtown pub sub. How about that? Yeah, that'd be, uh, <laughs> that would be fun. And Deion Sanders, an endorsement there from Brandon Marcello. The man that usually sits next to me on to my right on Mondays and Wednesdays. Yeah, Tom's going to be thrilled. Tom's been blowing that horn since the uh, the rumors all – or the, the – the, uh, the fire Brian Harson yeah, chants that, got pretty loud. Yeah, since that started, so – I think he's going to be pretty happy when he if, if he listen to that. Good stuff from Brandon Marcello. Thanks again for joining us here on the program. We have reached the end of hour number one of Sports Call here today. Alongside Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling.
one hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. We've had a fun first hour, and we've got more to go on the program today. We'll chat with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer coming up here at 4.30 today. We'll take your phone calls. We've got more to get to, including our nightly TV guide at the very end of the program. Again, if you want to be a part of the show, call us, 334-887-3401. J.J. Jackson with Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress. Our thanks again to Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports for joining us on the show, talking about a variety of different topics from across the sport itself. And then also Auburn uh, with a likely change in head coach coming for the Tigers if things do not improve drastically for Brian Harson here in the next few weeks. So, uh, fellas, what do you think of that chat with Brandon Marcello? I thought it was a lot of fun. I always love talking to Brandon because he's so involved, not just in Auburn. And there's nothing wrong with talking to the Auburn beat. They know it better than any than anybody. But Brandon was here for a long time, so he knows this area. He knows uh, what really goes on behind the scenes at Auburn. So he can speak to that. And he can also speak from a national perspective. And we did ask him about Jimbo Fisher and Brent Venables and, and all that's going on in college football as a whole. So I, I always love it when we get to talk to Brandon. He knows what he's talking about. And uh, it's... It, today was as good as as he's always as he always is you know it it's he he does have a unique perspective where he's a, he went from auburn to be a national beat writer so he we always you know you can call on him he'll, he'll talk all the, all about auburn obviously he talks all about the national stuff but it's it's always great because you know we have some of the the beat writers on from this area and obviously want to talk about Auburn football first and foremost because that's what we we're here covering that's what we're you're you're out here to listen to uh, but sometimes it's good to get you know talk about national college football picture and Brandon's one of the guys that uh, it, you can you know sit sit down with them and you can have them on the phone and just talk talk with them national college football stuff and he's always got great insight and in everything that's going on because he does you know he, he covers everything you look at you know what what he was saying uh, you know Texas A and M when you asked about Texas A and M they're a team that's struggling right now three and two they're just the same as the Auburn Tigers but uh, a lot higher expectations going into this year for A and M than it was for Auburn. Um, and there's already been rumblings from College Station. A lot of the boosters are not happy, uh, are not happy at all with what's happening with Jimbo Fisher. And as he was saying, it it may be a little bit of Jimbo Fisher's own doing that uh, is why it's trending that way. That he does that he does call his own plays and everything. But you know, you you look at it and. There's a lot of people. There's there's a lot of stuff that happens nowadays in college football, and he talked about at the begin beginning of that that one you know one thing 
turn south and you you the the coaching carousel gets fired up even earlier and earlier than uh than what we've seen because of the new early signing period because of the new transfer portal windows and so you everything kind of gets the triggers get pulled a little bit earlier so you know he he mentioned uh you know next year fisher could be on the hot seat uh uh if it continues to trend in the same direction you never know. He could be in the hot seat this year already. Yeah. If, if some of the boosters are already upset and ready and ready to send him a buyout, uh, send him into the buyout. But you know, it, it's always fun to have Brandon on because he always gets he always has a lot of insight and talks about everything that we we ask him about. And you know, he, he's got a lot of college football knowledge. Yeah, it, people have always brought up you know Jimbo Fisher is going to be owed a lot of money if he if he uh, gets forced out. But you know, it, it's one of those things with. Big time college football. If if enough people are unhappy with Jimbo Fisher, that money will appear out of thin air. the The money the money will come. I was say I was listening to um, I was listening to a clip from the Paul Feinbaum show. Money's not real. And they uh, and I think you you were sitting in there. Uh, we were listening to it together yesterday. And so they said, how long? He asked, how long do you think it would take the the Texas oil tycoons to come up yep, with the, yep. the money? And they said about fifteen minutes. Yeah, between ten and fifteen minutes. About two or three phone calls. They they'd find that money, uh, so money is not an issue at A and M, and it's not going to be at Auburn either. Um, that's the thing people keep talking about how they want people to get rid of buyouts. Don't worry, Auburn is not going to hurt for money uh, as long as you've got billionaires in charge of things. Let's keep talking about potential coaching changes across the SEC here locally in town. Five Power Five coaches have already lost their jobs so far this college football season. Our show continues after the first time out of hour number two. This is Sports Call, WTGC, Tiger 95.9 FM. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. We hope that you're doing well on this Tuesday. Auburn football gets set to play Georgia coming up on Saturday in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. The Tigers have not won in Athens since 2005. It has been a really long time and it is going to be a really, really difficult task if Auburn wants to win that football game coming up on Saturday. You, of course, can listen to the game on FM Talk 93.9. Kickoff set for 2.30. The game will be televised on CBS. 11.30 a.m. will be the Tiger Tailgate Show where Andy Burcham, Stan White, Brad Law, Jason Campbell, Ronnie Brown, Britt Bowen, a ton of different voices heard each and every week 
on the Tiger Tailgate Show starting at 11.30 a.m. Saturday on FM Talk 93.9. Sports Call can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android and tap the menu icon at the top left. Tap Skills and Games in the menu and search for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill, tap Enable to Use, and you're done. All you have to do now is say, hey, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn, and you're listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. So, uh, gentlemen, as we talk about this Auburn football team, and as we prepare for a conversation with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, he had a really, really outstanding newsletter today about the middle eight for these Auburn football games. And we talked about it yesterday on the show. Talked about it for a long time because Brian Harson was asked about the last two minutes of the football game. In four of the five games this season, Auburn has given up a touchdown in the last 60 seconds. The other game, they gave up a touchdown with a minute 46 to go. So in all four games so far this year, Auburn has given up a touchdown defensively in the last two minutes of the first half. And then we know how disastrous the offense has been in the second half of play. But uh, some of those numbers that we'll talk about with Ferg are definitely eye-popping, and that is a a part of the game that Auburn needs to improve in the coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ferg outlines it pretty well in that newsletter, too. He he talks about, well, actually, it's a quote from somebody talking about Bill Belichick, because Bill Belichick kind of weaponized the middle eight. For those who don't know, the middle eight is the last four minutes of the second quarter and the first four minutes of the third quarter. So if you can get if you can get the ball as that last four minutes of the first half is starting, you score a touchdown, you prevent the offense from getting the drive from uh, from getting the ball back, you score a touchdown, boom, that's seven points, you've kept the offense off the field. Now you go to halftime. In the NFL, that's another 20 minutes. If you get the ball back to start the third quarter and you score the touchdown again, you've scored 14 points without the other team touching the ball, and that's about an hour of real time that the other team's offense has not touched the field. So it really it really limits uh, what that offense can do. That offense, at the, after an hour of not seeing the field, is probably out of rhythm. They probably are not going to perform as well, so you get another advantage there. And, and Ferg has been harping on it since probably the Mississippi State game last year, where Auburn absolutely collapsed after leading 28-3. Auburn has not looked good in the middle eight, and it starts with not being able to finish drives at the end of the first half and uh, not being able to move the ball at the beginning of the second or, frankly, anywhere uh, in the second half. So uh, the middle eight is something that Ferg brought to my attention that it's such a momentum thing, uh, and Ferg does a really good job of outlining it, and he's been he's been harping on it, and the, the team that wins the middle eight, he talks about this in the newsletter, the team that wins that middle eight minutes of the game, that's why it's called the middle eight, it's the middle eight minutes of the football game, usually, I think it's 70% of the time, the team that wins the middle eight wins the game. And like you mentioned, uh, one of the big proponents of that uh, weapon, like you said, weaponizing it was Bill Belichick with the the New England Patriots and that stretch run with Tom Brady, as they were extraordinarily well. And I I remember you know uh, watching them and you know watching the uh, being a fan of the Patriots, watching them and knowing you know hey we're getting the ball with about you know four three or four minutes left, like we're we're gonna this is gonna be good. Uh, and you always you know you always go when when they'd win the toss, you'd always be like, all right. We're, we're kicking because we're not gonna we're not we're gonna try to get the ball and start the second half. Yep. It is it is a really really and you were you know you you touched on most of the points there, Brant. But it's a really important thing when you're especially 
when you've got momentum going in, you know, going like Auburn has. Auburn has done a w- great job. And just, you know, for, for a, uh, you know, just look at a small sample size from this past week in LSU. They did a great job getting out to a lead. And the defense was playing fairly well against um, against LSU this weekend. And then you hit that little, last little bit. And let them let LSU score right there toward the end of the half, and then that's just a, that's a momentum killer right there. So you, you're going, you're clicking along well. You're looking up at the clock. You're saying, "All right, we're almost to halftime. We're getting there. We're getting there. We we've got a you know we've we've got a chance to take this big lead into the half." And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. The other team puts together a drive, goes down there. You can't. You're you're trying to scramble, stop them. And they, they score some points, you know, whether it be touchdown, field goal, whatever. When if you give up points right before the half, and you're you know you're sitting there looking up, and you've been you know pitching a shutout until then, it's a little demoralizing. It's it's kind of like, you know, you you see a uh, you know if you see a um, in baseball where you've got a, a pitcher throwing a shutout or throwing a no hitter or something, and they're you know they're rolling along, rolling along, rolling along, and they give up that first hit. And it's kind of like, oh man! And then, especially a no hitter. Usually, if you get deep enough, if the if the guy gives up a hit, the the uh, manager is going to go out and is going to pull that pitcher very very quickly after that that hit's given up. And you you start to see you know some of the momentum goes down because you're running off of that adrenaline. You're running off of all right, we're we're going, we're 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 clicking along here. And then one little thing goes wrong, and it just it, it takes your, the wind out of your sails. And that's what's happened to Auburn quite a bit, uh, quite a bit here in the last you know what was it five SEC games uh, for the for the Tigers that they've had a lead in the first half, given up some points. And then gone on to lose that game. It, it's huge. It's a huge momentum swing when when you give up points right before the half. It's a huge momentum swing when you give up points right at the end of the first and in, in uh, the beginning of the second half. And you know it, it's it's something that's got to be. It, it's a got to be. I guess I don't know if you can fix giving up points at the end of the half, but it's. It's something that you would rather try to avoid giving up. You you want to be on the positive end of that because if you're on the positive end of that, you have a really really good shot to uh, have a lot of momentum going into that the rest of the game and hopefully not you know having something catastrophic happen as it has in the last few games. Without a doubt, that's something that needs to improve for this Auburn football team. The middle eight. Big profile on it. The Auburn Observer Newsletter. And we're going to talk to the author of that. Our good pal, Justin Ferguson. At JFergusonAU on Twitter. We talk with him after this timeout here on Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. get to the program, it's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. We hope that you're doing well 
on this Tuesday. Excited to go now to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on one of our good pals, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, is here with us. Make sure you check him out on Twitter, at JFergusonAU. And uh, a great newsletter came out today detailing the middle eight and the struggles of the Auburn football program. Ferg, the time is greatly appreciated, and let's start there. Uh, you got some really eye-popping numbers there with the middle eight. Yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know, the middle eight is something that Bill Belichick uh, really kind of brought to prominence, uh, you know, over the uh, over over the last couple of decades. Um, and what it basically means is the, the the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. Uh, it's kind of a game within a game um, just because of the way kickoffs and halftime goes and, and momentum and all those things. Uh, teams that usually win the middle eight, uh, 72% of the time, win the game itself uh, in, in, in Power 5 football. So uh, with that in mind, it's very, very important. Uh, this season, Auburn is getting outscored 42-7 to in the middle eight. They have given up a touchdown on each of the last uh, – on each of the, in each of their games in the last two minutes of the first half. Um, and they've only scored one touchdown coming out of the second half. This is really bad uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, but to put that in perspective of how bad it is, Auburn has the fewest points in the middle eight of any team in the SEC this season. They have given up the most points of any SEC team in the middle eight this season, and it's by a pretty big margin. Uh, there are only three teams in the SEC that have a negative in in, uh, in the middle eight, oh, negative point differential, Auburn's is minus 35. The other two are negative three and negative six. So they are far and away the worst team. In it. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you can pick out a lot of stats. You can pick out a lot of trends about Auburn that aren't good. But this one right here, as it relates to things like game management, um, you know, focus, timeouts, uh, coaching, you know, just decision-making there, there's so much that goes into that. And the middle eight is kind of an area where it gets really, really accentuated. And uh, Auburn you know, failed in the middle eight against LSU. And uh, it's, it's carried on a, a really disturbing trend for the team that is kind of, a, I think, a microcosm of just kind of what all has happened for this, for this team under Brian Harson. Auburn is, I believe it's 87-13. to 13. They've been outscored in Power 5 games in the middle eight. Um, you can win without being good in the middle eight, but it's rare. And I think we're seeing the seeing some of those effects this season. Justin, you know, you, you look at this past weekend's performance against LSU, and the Tigers got out to a, a I wouldn't say it's an overly impressive start, but it was more impressive than we've seen them in this past this year so far. And then uh, again, you hit that second half, and it just kind of fizzled out again. And I, what what are your takes on why this keeps happening to the Tigers? Yeah, I mean, why it keeps happening, it's a variety of reasons. You know, you can't really come and say, well, if they do this better, they'll they'll fix their second half woes. I think you go back and look at this game, uh, a lot of it had to do with either self-inflicted wounds where you have a negative play, uh, a fumble, um, a turnover, or something like that in a key situation, or you get behind the chains on first downs. Uh, and, and that happened a lot. And, and some of those go hand-in-hand. Hand. You know, Auburn, uh, before Coy Moore's interception, Auburn loses five yards because Robbie Ashford fumbles the, the mesh on, a, on what looked like a zone read. That kind of stuff just adds up and adds up. And when you're a team that's not very good at third downs, except for these like third and long kind of heaves, you, you're going to have a hard time scoring. And so Auburn, the game is about finishing your drives. 
Uh, we saw in the first half against Penn State the reason why Auburn wasn't able to stay in that game long is because they failed to take advantage of their opportunities in the first half. In the second half against LSU, they didn't take advantage of their opportunities. They missed a field goal late in the second quarter, and it got, went on from there. You go from your first three trips past the 40 and scoring 17 points to your next four, you score zero. It's it's finishing drives, and Brian Harson said it yesterday. There's not one magic answer to it, and he's right. I think it's because there's a lot of problems, and uh, you know. So you say like, what, what? Why does this keep happening? It's just it's it's some of everything. It's just generally this offense uh, is not very efficient. It's not consistent at all. Uh, and you know, when other teams adjust and other teams make their corrections on defense, especially in the second half, Auburn has failed to counter off of that. Uh, and you see that in the, in the reflected in the score. Justin, while Auburn didn't win this game, you can see some improvement, it looks like, on the offense. The offensive line blocked fairly well. Not perfect, but they were better than they have been. Robbie Ashford had by far the best game of his young college career. Uh, how, how sustainable do you think that improvement is? How much do you think of it had to do with LSU? And do you expect to see more of that against Georgia or significantly less? I think a lot of it had to do with LSU. I think this LSU team has has got some issues, um, particularly on the defensive side up front. Um, they've got good edge rushers, but not really great at inside linebacker, not really great in the trenches, and, and Auburn kind of exposed that a little bit. Giving up some big plays, they, they let some wide-open guys go in the past game. That Camden Brown touchdown was a coverage bust. You know, Auburn still made the play to, to make it happen, but, you know, we do was running wide open there. Had some wide open guys, you know, in some of the scramble drills that Robbie Ashford hit downfield. Now, he played better, and Auburn's offensive line played better, and Auburn's running game was a little bit better, but I think a lot of it had to do with LSU. Uh, I think that's year one. I think there's a, there's been a lot of turnover there. There's not as much consistency. Well, you're going to play a Georgia team this week that – has probably the best defense in America, so I don't know. I don't know if you're going to see the exact same thing, but you you did see you did see something like Robbie Ashford. I thought looked pretty confident throwing the ball deep downfield, um, getting some explosive plays. That's always good. Um, I think the interior line that they've got right now with Council at center uh, is probably their best lineup, their best possible lineup. I think you saw fewer communication mistakes on the offensive front, and I think that just led to a little bit better play overall. Um, so you, you can take all those as positives, but you're at home playing a team that is in flux right now in year one, changing a lot of stuff. You're about to play the defending national championship champion on their turf in a rivalry game in a place where you haven't won uh, and really haven't been super competitive in the last 17 years. So, you know, I, I don't expect it to continue as much. Um, if it does, I mean, that's a really good sign for Auburn. And look, Georgia, um, you know, has not looked – overly impressive on uh, their last couple of games. So if Auburn can sustain some of that progress and kind of build some consistency off of it, yeah, you maybe you maybe see a different result than what it is right now. But I do attribute a lot of that to just LSU and the way they are at the moment. Follow him on Twitter at Jay Ferguson AU talking about this Auburn football team now five games into the year and preparing for their first road game of the season against Georgia, a team that Auburn has not won since 2005. What has it been about playing in Athens over the years? It's the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Why do you think it's been such a struggle for Auburn to win? Well, I think that you know Auburn shot themselves in the foot too many times during the era where Georgia wasn't quite as good. Um, and they missed their opportunities. And now, since since you know Mark Rick, or since Mark, Kirby Smart 
I guess the end of the great era that had had issues, but the the Kirby Smart since he's gotten the machine going in Georgia right now, it's like <clears throat> it's it's hard to beat a team like that. I think you can see the same thing. It's very similar to Auburn in Georgia. I mean, I'm sorry, Auburn in Alabama. You know, in Tuscaloosa, uh, very similar kind of situation there. Uh, you know, it's just I, I, Georgia's Georgia's a really good defensive team. Uh, more often than not. Uh, Auburn, it's it's just it's a, it's a game that they take super super seriously, and you know Auburn's had some games here in Jordan Hare Stadium where they've been able to you know kind of make make up for it against Georgia, but you know on on the road it's just been it's kind of like LSU you know LSU the LSU streak was a little bit more unpredictable because Auburn had their chances and LSU was just as sporadic as Auburn was. Um, can't really say that about Georgia. I think really in the especially in this last decade or so uh they've just been a whole lot more consistent uh football team justin ferguson's here with us once again a big showdown coming up for auburn against georgia and on the defensive side of the football the tigers are going to be out uh be without one of their top pass rushers uh who else on that defensive front can step up in leota's absence it's gonna have to be marcus bragg um you're not seeing a whole lot of dylan brooks so why far is this that season. uh why not dylan brooks yeah um, this defense doesn't rotate a lot. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> this is bad. I yeah. mean, this is for two years running now. We have not seen this defensive line do a ton of rotation. You get some of the guys in there, or not? I think I think Bragg's done a good job coming in and being that guy. But like honestly, you know, so far this season, if Derek Hall or uh, you know Ekuliota aren't on the field, there's a really big, significant like difference sure. in Auburn's defense. So I think they played him as much as humanly possible because of it. Now you can't rely on that with Leota. So uh, I do think Marcus Bragg has played well when he has been in the game. Um, I think he is, he's made some plays, and uh, he, he's definitely going to be helpful in that regard. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is this is one of the biggest losses you could possibly, possibly have because there's just not a whole lot of depth. There's not really any established depth, um, you know, behind now Hall and then what you're going to get out of uh, out of Bragg. I'm sure you're going to see a little bit more of, uh, of uh, Dylan Brooks, but, like, it's just – you know, for whatever yeah. reason, the, the staff's just not trusting him to, to get heavy minutes at this point. But that, that goes for a lot of these guys who are you know, further down the depth chart. Yeah, more of a compliment, you're saying, to, to 29 and 55 for what they've been able to do this oh, season. Yeah, if they're yeah. good to go, have them on the mm-hmm. field. Dylan Brooks is just somebody that was just such a heralded recruit. Big deal when Auburn yeah. gets him to flip all of a sudden. And we just hadn't seen him yet. So uh, I was curious if there was anything more to that. But you made a good point. If, if 29 and 55 are so good, make sure they're out there then. Yeah, and now you don't have 55. So, I mean, I, Bragg's done a really good job. He's got experience, you know, from coming from Western Kentucky. Um, so you might see some Brooks on, on top of that. But, yeah, it's just, you know, this, this these two guys were so valuable that they just maximized their, their reps. And, unfortunately, Leota's, Leota's done. Tell me about the secondary at this portion of the season. Well, Auburn's coming off of a game – uh, where they had their best pass defensive performance no in kidding. about I think like 14 years I believe oh, um, wow. in terms of in terms of yards per attempt. Now I think part of that is because Jaden Daniels and LSU's passing offense is not very good. Um, but this was the best game in 14 years for Auburn against an SEC team in pass defense. It was a really good game for them. I thought that they tightened up on their coverage pretty well. They didn't really give up. I mean the the big play that LSU had. Uh, in the passing game was a linebacker losing John Emery in the flat and, and you know, coming to big play there. They didn't have really anything else outside of that. Um, so I thought the secondary did step up. You know, they really didn't make Kayshawn Boutte a factor in the game at all. I think he had one catch. Um, you know, so 
they stepped up. I think the defense as a whole has stepped up, um, you know, from the Penn State game where they looked so bad. I think the last two weeks they played what I would consider good defensive football, winning defensive football. Not perfect, but it's college football. You're not going to have a perfect defense. Um, but, you know, they, they've played excellent, you know, excellently at times during these stretches. Um, so, you know, the defense has taken a step forward. I think you've seen some growth out of the second gear. There, you definitely see it out of your out of your defensive line. I think you may want to see a little bit more out of your linebackers, but there's been some injuries there. Didn't seem like Cam Riley played last week uh, because he was banged up. But, yeah, the secondary I thought tightened up. I think the rotation they've got in right now is, is kind of where they where they like. D.J. James is playing really well. Keontae Scott seems to, seems to be settling in at, at, in the slot at the moment. So the secondary did step up. It's going to be huge. Uh, in this upcoming game, because you know Georgia, all the different weapons Georgia has uh, through the air, and, and Stetson Bennett is just is just really really efficient. But um, you know, I, I think I think for Auburn, um, you know, I think for Auburn, you have to like some of the progress you're making on the defensive side of the ball. It's just the, the offense is lagging them behind way way too much. Jay Ferguson, AU on Twitter is here with us. You got a basketball newsletter coming out tomorrow, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'll be writing about a Janai Broom, um, okay. and uh, just uh, kind of it's an interesting case for him. I think Auburn's getting used to having him because he's different than what he, they've had from their big men in a while, and I think he's getting used to Auburn and kind of evolving and adapting his game. So it's been you know these first couple of weeks of practice, it's been it's been fun to see him kind of evolve his game from what we saw at Moorhead State, and also watching Auburn kind of evolve what it can do on offense, especially. Uh, with him on the floor because he is he is a uh, more of a traditional big man than what they've had in recent years. And on Friday, a mailbag's coming for the Auburn Observer, right? Yeah, mailbag on Friday. Thursday podcast will be a preview of the Georgia game with a couple of special guests. Uh, and so, yeah, it'll be a pretty it's a pretty busy week. And then uh, we'll have coverage obviously over the weekend from what all goes on in Athens. AuburnObserver dot com says I could send an email to the one and only JF at gmail dot com. Is that still true? Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Oh, I like yeah. that email name. <laughs> Watch out, Justin. You're about to get one of those chain emails from JJ. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I'll mark you as spam. That's easy. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for the time. It's always good to talk with you, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon, buddy, okay? See you guys. All right. That's Justin Ferguson joining us on the program. That, that was, was smooth. awesome. That was smooth. That was great. That was good what you the did. The one and only JF at gmail.com. I don't have the best email names myself. Did, so, did, did someone send you a? You had to send this email to ten people, and so you're trying to figure <laughs> out who to send it to. Is that what you're asking? I'm trying to collect all the emails. You already have all of ours. Yeah, I know. Do you, <laughs> do you know my personal email? We're not giving it out over the air, but do you know my personal email? Why can we not give it out over the air? Because I don't want people emailing me. <laughs> yeah, I do. I think. Okay. I think it's your name. Right. It is my name, but there's like some other stuff involved. Right, and I think it's a. Yeah, it's a yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a yeah. Are you are you? I'm telepathic. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. I I don't think it's a. JJ's got a really good timeshare opportunity to send you an email. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Tell me off the air, and we'll come back, and I'll confirm if you were right or not. But that's not as fun. Then we have to wait. Yeah, yeah. But we yeah. also have to get to a break, so people have got to wait anyway. We are done with breaks for the hour. Oh, we got we? about four or five minutes until. All right. So. Well, we're just here talking on email. That's now. that's <laughs> that's why we're holding on to hour number three. Okay, we'll wait until hour number three. I'll talk to you during the break. Sounds good, Brooks. Can I share your email with people you out there? May not. Okay, it's Brooks Childress. No gosh. 
and then I think it's your birthday at yahoo.com. At a, a, yeah, sure. Why not? But people don't know your birthday. It's okay for me to say this. We tell people happy birthday every time it's their birthday yeah. on the show. Okay, that's kind of, if someone really does that much investigation to find your email, shouldn't you just tip your cap and say, yep, you got me? No. And it's an email. Is it that big of a point of pride? Yeah. To not let people yeah. know what your email is? Enough, I don't want my email. in there. Yeah, I don't want my email cluttered Basically, with my stuff. Basically, my You're my, sillier than silly, my, my personal email right now, although I will say my personal email right now is basically just every app that I've signed up for, all of that yes. emails go there. Yes. Because <laughs> I've got a work email that, and I go to, I've got a uh, personal email and there's not a lot of all stuff. All of our work emails email. are the same. It's just our first name at the tiger.fm. Like that's not. Right. And you guys up. don't care if I share that with Because that's a work email. Yeah. That's a work yeah. email. Like if you have business opportunities, people, sure. People have the opportunity I'll block to you so fast if you just start sending me junk mail. Also, Brant Not to keep, you, to anybody listening Brant to this. doesn't keep anything in his email. That's Ever. true. I, del- I delete. I cannot have junk in my email. Email. But it's not junk. It. It's been a message yeah. that was sent. It's work. Yeah, no, I it's, hate it how was you... a message that was sent, and I read it, and I did what I needed to do, and now it's done. It's but gone. Then forever. sometimes you forget. Yes. No. Yeah. The yes. things that I need to hold on to, I hold yes. on to. I hate... I click the I click the gold star, and I make the star gold, and that tells me, hey, don't delete this. I how much stuff's in that gold star email? Uh, star. It's like eight. I think. I think I have eight favorite. You've been right working now. here for a year, just over a year, and you only have eight things in your star. I despise the yeah. way he handles wow. his inbox. I also. Well, dis- I keep it clean. I despise the way you handle your inbox. I understand your, your inbox. I despise the way you handle your an inbox. absolute mess. Yeah, I God don't. Lee. I'm the opposite. I don't delete anything unless no, you, I know it stays. You have spam. things in there from like 2015. That's correct. Well, no, because I wasn't working here in 2015. But That's then fair. we run into storage issues, Brooks, and you have to delete things. And I'm sorry I to do. tell you that, but you have to do it. You do. I don't know why you're commanding. Although we did get an upgrade in storage on our email, oh, or at least really? mine is upgraded in free storage. I'm so. not going to use that. So I've got 30 gigabytes of free of storage now. So you're good to go. I'm good to go for a while. Wow. I think I have 12 emails currently uh, in my inbox. And about half of them favorited. If you want, if, if we want to peel back the curtain here, I'm looking at my email right now. I have 373 unread emails. That's disgusting. You have a problem. That's I gross. Do. And yeah. you don't will never. You check don't most read of your those. emails first thing in the morning. I do. If they're necessary, I look. He reads two, them and then he marks them as unread, although two, on, he read on. them. Two thirds of the unread stuff is that's, Auburn Athletics. That's and if psychotic. you unread it, Brooks. Yeah. And then you mark it as unread. It's still there. Yeah. And you forget, and then it just stays there forever. Anyway, and now you have anyway, 300 unread emails. We're done. It's it's time to take a break. I need a timeout. Brand Daughtry, it's good to see you, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I'll see One you after this to... commercial break. Okay? You'll see me during it, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't disappear. <laughs> when the show goes to commercial, we cease to exist. <laughs> Brooks, I'll see you in the final hour. We're figments of your imagination. <laughs> Alongside Brooks, Childress, and Brand Daughtry, I'm JJ Take your Jackson. medication, people. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. 
Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. My name is JJ Jackson, the host of this program. Our thanks again to Brandon Marcello and Justin Ferguson for joining us on the show. Remarkable interviews with those guys. We would encourage you to go back and listen to those. My co-host on the program today, I've got Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. We've got a three-man crew for Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show here today. We've had a whole lot of fun on the program, and as we get this third and final hour of Sports Call started, let's give you the Daily Show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things... All right, it's time for our daily show recap. And Brant Daughtry, what has happened on Sports Call today? Uh, we have talked to Brandon Marcello about the whole big picture of college football, a great interview with him. Uh, we've talked about, we have recapped Auburn and LSU and what we all thought went wrong. And then later we talked to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, and he gave us his perspective. And, uh, you know, I always love interviewing Marcello and Ferguson. They're both uh, great at what they do. And uh, also we've talked about emails. So it's been a loaded show. We also had our birthdays in sports earlier. Um, good good week for birthdays. Tony La Russa, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Just stepped down from his uh, managing position. But, Happy uh, birthday, Tony La Russa. Yeah. Happy birthday, Derek Rose, a former basketball MVP. Good stuff on, uh, on on birthdays today for sure. I did get your email right. You I, did. Yeah. You did know my email. Yes. I will not say it over the airwaves. Appreciate I've been it. Told not to. Did you see us during the break? Or I, uh, just I did. Missing? Yes, I can yeah. confirm. <laughs> I yeah. was scared that I wouldn't be able to, but I did see you guys. <laughs> right. I did see you guys. Didn't All right. To exist. It's uh, JJ Object Jackson permanence. with Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress. Permanence. That's a big word to use on the program. You, What word did you use Volatility. yesterday? Volatility that I complimented That's you on. That's another good one. I like when we use good vocab words. To the phone lines we go. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 We chat now with... Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve is here on Sports Call. Hello, Steve. Hey, hey, guys. Hey, Hold hey. On. Hey, I'm right here. Hold on. All right. We're holding. <laughs> Should we play the Jeopardy music? <laughs> Hello, guys. Yes, there we got you. Okay. All right. Well, good afternoon. That was my son interrupted me, and I had to say, I said, hey, I got more important phone calls, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So, uh, 4 nothing last night, the Braves, huh? They blew it. Really tough. Really tough to watch. Yeah. And I see right now the Mets are winning 4-2. to two. Do we have to just – Braves just have to win one more game, or how many? Just one. Or if the Mets lose any of their last three, the Bra- that can work too. So even if the Braves lost all three, as long as the Mets lose a game uh, over their next three, the Braves are good. Okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, I know Ryan LaVoy is not there today, but uh, will, will he be back tomorrow? Tomorrow, yep. 
Okay, I'll uh, discuss with him. I just got back from watching the uh, the movie Smile. Uh, if you like creepy, that trailer like looks disturbing, creepy, Steve. I I, disturbing, I can't movies. watch scary movies. That one looks so intense, man. Well, it's almost as creepy and disturbing as the LSU Auburn game was. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, guys, I've got to let you know. As long as I've been watching Auburn football games, I uh, I just right now I have not. I cannot recall that Auburn football has gotten this bad so quickly. Your thoughts, guys. I meant to ask, and I'll get that in just a moment. On the uh, LSU game, Steve, did you stay with the same three-letter phrases, War Damn yes, Eagle and Get His Ass? Did you stay Except with those? I did. Well, at the very end, I did say, don't throw it. <laughs> That's another three-letter <laughs> phrase. <laughs> well, I saw Coy Moore out there. I saw a bunch of damn you know, uh, LSU people. I said, don't throw it, man. <laughs> and oh, he did man. it. Oh, and we were we were in the north end zone uh, on the eighth so rowway. I know you can hear me surely, and a bunch of people around me were saying, "Don't throw it." <laughs> and he did. And, and he unfortunately, did. he did. All right, Brant, uh, Steve, talking about this Auburn football team kind of falling off. What do you want to say? Yeah, is this team's not great right now? But people keep talking about it's the worst they've ever seen. Were y'all watching Auburn football in 2012? I was there every like, game. No, but what I'm saying, I haven't seen a team get this bad this quickly. I have in 2012. No, but I mean, I'm by, ga- about, by game in, six, in, in all hope was years, lost. In one and a half years, guys, we've gotten oh. just you know abysmal. Hey, yeah, I mean it's trending in the wrong direction. That's not a secret. Everybody knows that. And and yeah, I, because of that, I I we've all had our piece. So we don't expect Brian Harson to be here much longer. Well, you know, uh, even the 2012 team scored in the, in the second half of, of games. No, not frequently. But they did. They did score in the second half. They barely uh, scored in the four, first half either. Okay. They didn't do a whole you lot know, of scoring or stopping people from scoring. That was just a bad team. I haven't heard, I'll listen to the podcast, any any intel from either Brandon or Justin Hokinson uh, on status of Harzen. We had a really good interview with them, so we'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. Oh, so now you're going to make me have to listen to it, huh? <laughs> we got to get oh, those guys, plays, Steve. We're company men. You're tough. Okay, here's some facts from Philip Marshall today that will make your, your, you shake your head, okay? Landon King, last seen making a 24-yard catch against Penn State, has not played a snap since then. That's right. That's wild. What? How, how, do you, how do you explain that one? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, and Tavares Dawson disappeared for a little bit, but then he had a couple of plays this week. Xavier Capers had a target this week. It's been kind of odd to see how this wide receiver room has shaped up. J.J.'s been the only consistent one, J.J. being Javarius Johnson, not Joshua Jackson, uh, myself. And then uh, Camden Brown found the end zone on Saturday, so uh, Coy Moore obviously was factored into the mix. But it has been kind of strange to see the rotations at that wideout spot. Okay, this is really even more of a head shaker. Tank Bigsby, considered to be, I'd say, one of the nation's top running backs, is averaging just how many carries per game? How many? Thirteen. Yeah, Auburn can't run the ball, and they know it. Can't run the ball effectively, I should say. They run it. They run it sometimes, but not effectively. Not enough to not enough to bang your head against the wall thirty times a game. So Koku, we thought he should be handling at least 25 to 30 uh, carries. And here's another hit, hit, hit shaker. Uh, this is a real head shaker. Through five games, Auburn secondary has not intercepted a pass. 
Yeah, only interception coming from Derek Hall this season. And, you know, that's okay. And we have not been this much of an underdog, according to Philip Marshall, since 1942. Yeah, I mean. Against Georgia. And it's like you said, it, it it's akin to Auburn's offense just or the team just falling a little falling off here. And it's you know you've got that Georgia team who is inherently a good program. They haven't showed it the last two in their last two games, but you you've got to think that they're coming in this game. They're going to be motivated. They want to prove that they and especially now that they've fallen from that number one spot, that they want to prove that they should still be that number one team in the country. And so I, I think that you're about to see you you have the potential to see Georgia. Ex- Exercise a few of those demons. Yeah, well, we got demons. How about this one, head shaker? In 2008, Auburn lost four games in which it had double-digit leads. That team went five and seven. And that's that's about what uh what a lot of people were thinking about for this year for the Auburn Tiger team. And I thought at the beginning of the season, I saw like six six and a half. I thought, come on, we can we can at least get six wins. But guys, right now, as I said yesterday, I don't know if we'll have another win. I mean, um, it's it's, it, it's going to be tough going down the stretch. I, I you know, you would think that Auburn could maybe eke out a win somewhere. Well, you would hope that they would able to be able to win that Western Kentucky game right before the Iron Bowl, and then maybe grab another win somewhere that they're you know they happen to fall. But it, I mean, it's it's not looking promising right now. I mean, I'm just wondering what is. Well, what's the mood of uh, the players? You know, are they going to be, you know, finally saying, you know, to heck with you, know, just just mail it in? Well, it's like uh, I don't know. I think it was Brandon Marcello said it said it earlier in the show that he, you know, he's watched the games and this Auburn team just continues to play like you know they're they're still playing very you know they're out there. It's not looking like they're trying to take plays off and they're you know just saying oh woe is me we're you know we're not good. They're out there competing and it's just the lack of execution and you know some you know, some coaching uh, errors that we've seen that have kind of uh, spelled disaster for the Tigers. But the players are out there every single week. It you know it looks like they're competing and. They're they're not you know trying to you know st- take a step back and just say oh well we're just bad you know we're not going to go out here and give our all. Well, I agree. I, I mean, I saw it in the LSU game, especially on the defense. Uh, what I'm saying is, you know, when does it finally you know come to their d- decision? That a lot of the players say, you know, uh, to heck with it, you know, then uh, they give up. Well, here's the thing, Steve. They they're not blind. They see it. They know a lot more about this football team than anybody else does. But you put that much time in, you put that much work in, you have that much money at stake, frankly, uh, and, you know, pride. Pride becomes a factor. And you've got real, you've got really good, really proud leaders on this team. I don't think guys like Derek Hall and Owen Papo and Nick Brahms over there on that sideline and Ekuliota is now going to be joining him on that sideline. I don't think those guys are going to let people quit. You know, as Shedrick Jackson on offense, take Bigsby if you're going to look for guys like that. I think Robbie Ashford is stepping into his, into what he might be able to be one day. Uh, those guys are not going to allow those other players to quit. Now, the coaching staff might fall by the wayside, but those players are leaders too. Well, and I hope that your your perspective is is the one that you know we see the the, the outcome of because these games are going to be really, really, I'd say, you know, treacherous. Uh, and it's going to be now, tough. This this upcoming week is going to be tough. Yeah, you tell me, guys, right now. Uh, is Kirby Smart going to name the score? <laughs> yeah, Kirby Kirby has never been one to take his foot off the gas against Auburn. So I I think 
he's going to score until he feels like he can stop scoring. Okay. All right. Uh, having said that about the coaches, guys, uh, give me your take on this. Um, you know, I'd love to have whoever negotiated with for the uh, buyout for Wisconsin's uh, ex-coach. Uh, I read he had a $20 million buyout, and he agreed to leave for $11 million. Yeah. What, what you know, can, can we do that with Harson? Because I'd like to know, why would a coach give up $20 million for $11 million? Well, if, What do they have on him? Uh, if you look at, uh, you know, his history, he's been with that program for a while. He's one of the winning, you know, he's, he's had, you know, uh, absolutely nothing but success there until you've hit this year and then you know you never know if he could have turned it around this year and then you look at his uh his history i think I, i'm gonna pull up his uh his coaching um his coaching tree here he he's from madison he played quarterback at wisconsin and he's he's had a, a stop there as a tight ends coach the oc uh before he went off and was the head coach at pittsburgh he's a he he's grown up and been around that program and he that that was his program that was his you know it, it was like you know kirby smart went back to georgia or you know guys are going back to their alma maters to coach that was his alma mater that was his coach he he loves that program and he knew you know it i've seen several articles written about it he knew that if they moved off of him he didn't want to leave them in a bad position because he still loves that program no matter you know even though they they got rid of him and you would think it's plausible that he would just take almost a 50 percent buyout Cut? Yeah, I mean, from all the articles that I've read from some of the Wisconsin beats up there in the in, in the Big Ten, that he uh, you know he's a very he, he loves that program and didn't want to leave it in a bad position. Seems like he's got a really good heart, and so he, he wanted to he wanted to you know he took a little bit of less buyout. Okay, I right, move on real quickly, guys, to a uh, another uh, sport. Uh, in fact, this U.S. women's uh, soccer. Uh, I guess you've read or or not maybe about the uh, sexual abuse. Uh, reported of charges, and the U.S. women's soccer team is doing an investigation of all this. You guys know about that, right? Read a little bit about it, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just I find it to me uh, just, uh, and apparently these reports have been going on by the, the, the women on the U.S. soccer team uh, to people in authority, and they were ignored, according to the reports uh, and the columns I read from uh, Washington uh, Post, from New York Times, and other places. Uh, I just find that incredible that these things continue to just, you know, be ignored and dismissed until somebody decides to, you know, bring it to public uh, to some, uh, you know, news organization. Yeah, seems uh, like there's so, going to be a big E60 profile tonight at 6 o'clock on ESPN for folks to watch. Is there? Yes, a full a full profile, 6 o'clock ESPN. Truth be told, the fight for women's professional soccer. Okay, and here's another expose that apparently um, this is a series of articles being written by New York Times. You may have already read some of them. I have to catch it. Uh, I think it was uh, on ESPN. But uh, it was about, uh, yes, that uh, there are only, of course, three black NFL coaches right now. Right? Right. And there's a lawsuit being brought by the former uh, Miami coach who had a winning Brian Flores. Yes. And then this was remarkable. How many teams have never had a black coach in the NFL? Do you have have to know what that number is because they talk, talked about it. Uh, I don't know. It's got to be a good number. number. I mean, yeah. I'd say it's it's over half. There are 32 teams. Half would be 16. I'm going to say over 22. Well, it's not that bad. It's bad enough. 13. 13 NFL teams have never had a black football coach. Oh, coach. Okay. Yeah, head coach. 
Head coach or just coach? No, no, head coach. They've never had 13, 13 NFL teams, according uh, to the, uh, the the show I was watching on ESPN, have never had a NFL uh, wow. head coach of the foot that was a black football uh, coach. Uh, I thought, well, that's remarkable. When they also said over 60, I think it was 63%, or 64% of the players in the NFL are black. Right. And I, I found that remarkable. So, uh, saying all that, guys, I saw that our soccer team, the soccer team tied Vanderbilt one to one. Yep. So, what's their record right now in the SEC? Well, they are o three and one, zero wins, three losses, one draw, one tie. So, I, I, I had the play by play for that call, and it was an epic game against Vanderbilt with the Commodore scoring with thirty one seconds left to kind of force that tie. Yeah, I saw the deflection. Who do we play next? Kentucky. Play Kentucky. Kentucky. Yep. Okay. Uh, and volleyball team, are they, uh, are they still undefeated, 14-0? Still undefeated. They play LSU uh, tomorrow, and then they've got two games against Georgia on Saturday and Sunday, and I will have the Saturday call on the SEC Network. Okay. All right. Guys, are you hearing uh, right now any, any, any talk about who might be some possible legitimate, credible uh, candidates that are being looked at uh, for, uh, to replace Harson? I don't think it's gotten that far in, in rumors coming out. I think everything else, everything you're, you know, you you would see is just, you know, speculation and people throwing out names like, oh, what if we could get this guy? I don't think anybody has. And you know, we we talked to Jason Caldwell yesterday. He hasn't heard anything about moving forward right now with uh, the plans for what to do uh, about the Harson. And so it does not appear that you know that they're you know any they're that any anyone behind the scenes is that far along. Or if they are, they're not letting anything get out. Okay, then who do you think is the least likely to even be considered? Because I keep seeing Q Freeze on some boards. I say, oh my God, you don't want. I don't think the robbers would go for Q Freeze. Am I wrong or right on that? Uh, I think there are a lot of people, uh, a lot of big money decision makers who would love to have Hugh Freeze. I think the most unlikely name that I've seen so far that people keep clamoring for is Deion Sanders. Uh, he's a name that. You know, a lot of people are saying, man, he'd fix a lot of problems that Auburn have. And well, I think he might, I don't think Auburn's going to go for him. I think the likely name that I most want to see happen is Lane Kiffin. I will continue to beat that drum until either he comes here or he doesn't. So, uh, you know, I I think Hugh Freeze is a legitimate possibility, even though I'm with you, Steve. I don't want him. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think, from what I've read about, uh, you know, Dr. Roberts, uh, he would look, you know, um, scance at somebody with his morals and lack of ethics. Well, here's the thing. Chris Roberts is not going to make that hire. He may be the one to fire Brian Harson. He's going to hire an athletic director and let that athletic director hire the next head coach. Okay, then. Who's, who you're hearing is it's either Hartwell, that's name, or McGlynn, McGlynn right? That's, those, are the, those are the two odds-on favorites right now. I don't think anybody's actually taking odds, but if they were, those would be the two favorites. So you have no intel on where where the real likelihood is will be between those two people. No, no. Uh, it, what okay. I what I have heard is if like, and I read this two weeks ago, and you know how fast these things change. But right now, Hartwell would be slightly favored above McGlynn. Okay, I got it. Thank you guys for taking my phone call so late uh, in the afternoon here. Uh, I'll get back with you tomorrow and see uh, what uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Ryan Lavoy thought of the movie as well. But uh, until next time, you guys have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, 
if it wasn't for you guys, I'd probably be on some heavier medication. So with that said, uh, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle. Afternoon. All right. That's our power time. Rory and Steve joining us here on the program. Brooks Children's Brant Daughtry. I'm JJ Jackson. Let's take a quick time out. The show continues in a moment. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Yep, welcome back in. Auburn's first, Auburn's favorite sports talk show. J.J. Jackson, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry here with you on the program. We haven't done sports call trivia in a long time. Yep. I don't think I've ever played sports call trivia. I find that hard to believe. I don't think I have. I don't believe you. Oh, no, no, no. I I have. (laughs) I have. I was 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 thinking like sports call specific trivia, not like just trivia that we play on sports call. What year was sports call started? 95, right? It's said in returns pretty frequently, and it is 1995. Correct. Very good. You think I listen to the returns? Mm. I tune them out. I've worked here for over a year now. Like, I just tune stuff out. I listen to all of them. What is the Facebook handle? Sports call AU. Everything is sports call AU. That's that's also like part of my job. I have to know. Where that. did the everything is free joke originate? Oh, <laughs> I was on the board. That was that was an on location show, I believe, at the Auburn Alumni Center last year. I was it not. It was at, on location. It was not at the alumni. It was center. not at the alumni. Center. Was it at um? Oh, it was. What's that gas station? You were correct. B B something? B's? Beeline. Beeline? Yeah. Was it a Beeline gas station? Beeline gas station last year, and uh, JJ went into used car I didn't even know if mode. you were still you you were working for the company. Yeah, I was board hopping that show. Was that hilarious? That, that was pretty that funny. Was, that was a good That moment. made me laugh pretty good. Everything is free. <laughs> Everything is free. Everything. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one. Call it. The, the college kids were just trying to buy their alcohol, and you're just everything's free. We had Which some awesome giveaways. Free. I wanted Which people to know that they were there. Not a great thing to say to college students looking to buy alcohol on a gas station. Yeah, I can foresee issues arising from that. Yep. I would I would allow issues to arise from that. Yeah, because if, it, it, if someone just started screaming, if sorry, I was just in the liquor you, section and it was just like, "Hey, man, everything's free," I'd be like, "All right, all right, then we're I'm loading walk up." Out the door. Yeah. We're loading up because yeah. alcohol is expensive. I should have been more transparent about, "Hey, all of our product is free." Yeah, not the all of our table is free. Give him another sports call trivia question, Brooks. Um, you took over in 2016, right? As the host of the show. 18. 18. Yeah. What. Oh, what's a good trivia question? I don't know. Um, who was the original? No, no. Andy Burcham and uh, what's the dude's name? What's the dude's? Don't tell me. Bill Cameron. That was, yes. was Bill Cameron was and Andy Burcham. Correct. <laughs> um, 
Uh, counting stars. I don't know, I don't know what the... <laughs> <laughs> What's the theme of the show? Counting stars. What artist does Brooks continuously somehow work Taylor into? Swift. Yes. You didn't even let me finish. No. Because it drives return. me up the yeah. wall that you do it. I, always, I will always try to work a Taylor Swift song into the return. Because I'm just not a Taylor Swift fan. I don't think she's bad. Like, there are a lot of people who don't like Taylor Swift, and they go hard on the like, oh, she sucks. I don't think she sucks. She's just not for me. She's a great capitalist. I've been told that I've been on the show since 2018, and I've yet to get an invite to come watch the show in studio. Oh. From mm-hmm. sources. Should we let Her people sources. come watch the show in the studio? We have they, a window. We they can put risers. <laughs> they can, but I'm just going to tell you, it's pretty boring. It's, <laughs> it's a bunch of dudes sitting around a table and but, talking although, to each other. we do say... Every once in a while, we need a camera in here. We do. There are and moments. So, there are awesome moments that so we could if pull. We just, if we just, there's two couches out there in yeah, the lobby. Yeah, I've got it. People are apparently wanting to come. We, should we sell tickets? I mean. I think it should be like absolutely. a prize. Absolutely. Like, like, you would a, like we give a giveaway. Like you have to answer a sports call trivia. You have to call in, answer a sports call trivia question. And then you get to sit in the lobby and watch us. Or we you can, can pay for it. We could. Well, we don't want to drive people away. We just want to make give. I want to make money. You don't get any money from this. The company would get money. Um, yes, and if the company makes if, more money, I make more money. If we, that's the eh, end goal. Yeah. Uh, if <laughs> well, we, okay. um, all right, fair. If fair we, <laughs> if we take the two couches that are out there and levitate one up. Well, I say levitate, stack levitate. it up, and like make some risers make out like there. A riser, yeah, yeah, we could, we could, uh, we could sell or um, sell some tickets. We could give away some some seats out there. I foresee the third hour of this uh, the edition of Sports Call getting very silly. And why do you say that? I mean, uh, we're, it we're already, already has. well into it. So, yeah. oh, wow, it's pretty loud. Too. Headphones on, and I'm like, that's probably blowing some people out. What do we? What? It is spooky season. Oh, oh, what trivia question? What? what is the? What this segment is, is this from? Parents. What segment uh, is this from? I, I have no idea. Like, even when I was listening to the show before I was on it, I never heard this song. Incredibly popular segment that we really, did. really popular. Tons of to social of, engagement. We cannot it's not fair to you because you were not here when this happened. Was this Town Name Tuesday? No, nope. I don't think so. Because no. I've listened to Town Name Tuesday a few times. We can never replicate this again unless the individual is sitting in this studio. Was it something to do with Trevon Reed? Close. No. Deshaun Davis. Yes! Yeah. Oh, well then. That's what I would say. I, dude, Deshaun Davis is just the coolest guy ever. I, I we would play this music. Him. I would say, yes! And then I would say, Deshaun Davis, bold predictions. And he would give out bold predictions yeah. every day. Every day. Every day. And he, he, would just pick, he would just pick random things to do, too. And he was on the show every day. Oh, yeah. was he? Five days a week. Dadgummit, Deshaun. <laughs> what a cool dude. Trevon would be two or three days. Deshaun Davis was on the show five days a week. What a what a dude. Yep. What Sat a dude, right Deshaun here in this Davis. chair that I'm sitting in. And now, if you watch UCF football tomorrow night, yeah. Deshaun he's a, he's Davis. He's over there, isn't he? He wears the yellow shirt. I think it's yellow. I, I one day remember. he wore green. Yeah, he's one of the the uh, coaches Signalers. signaling. Yeah, and he's in a different color UCF shirt. Yeah. Really stands out. But yeah, five days a week. What do you think his bold prediction would be for tomorrow night's football game? UCF's gonna win. I don't think it's a bold prediction. You, uh, Who are they bold, playing? Uh, SMU. Here's here's what it is. Deshaun's bold prediction for tomorrow would be the starting quarterback. I forget his name. UCF, two hundred passing yards. In the first half, he used to play at Ole Miss, Brooks. Oh, Matt Corral, oh, John, John Rice, not Matt Plumlee. Corral. Matt Corral plays yeah. for John Rice the Panthers. Plumlee. He does play. He yeah, used John to Rice play Plumlee. wide receiver at Ole Miss. 
Well, quarterback. But he started as quarterback and then went to wide receiver. Yeah, and, and then, then a real offensive coach got in there, and this dude was like, "Hey, man, you're not going to play quarterback for me." And then Matt Corral became a high. Gus Malzahn is a real offensive coach. How dare you? I. But he's at UCF. It's different playing quarterback at UCF than in the SEC. Gus Malzahn averaged eight wins a year at Auburn. Just saying. Yeah, and yeah, well what noted for how good his I'm just trying to was. defend my guy, all right? I love Gus Malzahn, I'm all right? To I think he's guy. a really good football coach. I think we doubt that, is, Brant. His, yeah. his, uh, his quarterbacks were not world-renowned. Well. He's trying think. to say hurtful things, yeah. man. There's a guy named Cam Newton. And a guy that I, you continually ask to have. I've got want, Cam Newton's jersey. I'm say, and the guy you continually appraise, and that's Nick Marshall. Oh, I'll always go to bat for Nick Marshall. Brant Daltrey. That's me. <laughs> Except he puts an L in there. Daltrey. Yeah, he does. He's does like, he he's really? Like, he's yeah. like D-A-W-L-T-R-Y. Brant Daltrey. <laughs> yeah. Daltrey. There's not an Daltrey. L in the name either. No, there's certainly not. J.J. Jackson. Yep. There's an L in my middle name. Javon Cutler. Rest in peace. <laughs> I said rest in peace and you threw a Hail Mary. The dude's not dead. <laughs> Ryan LaVoy. R.I.P. Uh, can we get a comment on these folks? Can we sure. do this? I've, I've been giving yeah, okay. you comments. Yeah, this has been silly. J.J. Jackson. Host. Eh. Okay. Javon Cutler. Uh, ESPN. <laughs> Ryan LaVoy. He's not here. NASCAR, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> R.I.P. Christian Page. R.I.P. Oh, my goodness. Throwing up. I've, I Pulling have actually out. met Christian. He is one of like, I think he's the only former sports call host that I've actually met. Well, you've met Javon Cutler. I've met Javon Cutler. Brooks Childress. Cool guy. There. <laughs> there. 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 I pointed. Austin Scott. R.I.P. Rest in peace. <laughs> Pull one Shout out, out to Lee guy. Scott Academy. Deshaun Davis. Really, really good football player. Loved watching. man. Seriously, watching Deshaun, Deshaun Davis play football was so fun because he was the best middle linebacker Auburn had I, for a long time. I asked him about it, and I don't remember what he said, but I went back and I watched that 2018 LSU-Auburn game at Jordan-Hare Stadium, and like in the first sequence of plays, he sacks uh, Joe Burrow and then talks smack to him, yeah. and then LSU just beats Auburn the, re- mm-hmm. the rest of the game. And I, I asked him, what did you say to him? Oh, he doesn't remember. He's and Talks I, every play. I what are you talking about? I don't about? remember what he said. He remembered, but oh, I couldn't he? remember what he said that Daddy, was his answer. Jeff Whitaker Jr. R.I.P. man. Who, oh, Jeff Whitaker? Dude, uh, fellow legend of the 478, graduate <laughs> of Warner Robins High School. I've met Jeff, actually. Jeff and I uh, have had conversations. One of the absolute nicest people you've ever met in your life. Absolutely. Very he kind. spoke at uh, FCA for us a few times. He's back at the uh, football game this weekend. Trevon Reed. Still haven't met him. The man. I thought I was going to be working with him. Still have not met him. Tom Peavy. Every Monday and Wednesday. <laughs> His fantasy Ryan, foot- gets, Ryan gets NASCAR and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Tom Peavy gets every Monday and Wednesday. Uh, would you rather me say Fat Daddies? <laughs> His fa- Fat Daddies and firefighting. His fantasy football name is I Eat Steak and Taters. <laughs> he does eat true. steak and taters. That is true. He does great stories on Wacky Wednesday. Yeah. He loves a good hump day update, as we all do. I love his story times on, on Wednesday. I'm pretty That's, sure I was in here when we had the hump day update like uh-huh. idea. and Now we followed through with it? <laughs> yes, but never while I was on the show because I'm not on the show on Wednesdays because I'm doing the high school coaches show. I was about to ask if you wanted to be on the show tomorrow, but you have the high school coaches I, show. I will be hosting the high school yes, coaches show. Yes, and we need that time. to happen. In theory, you could remote him in. Um, Good. Well, it'll be after. Well, I could like call in, I guess. Tom Peavy. 
I was going to say something else about him, but I forgot. I steak and taters? No. Firefighter. S- stories. No. You said no. It, you liked the story. He did Former. play for the Thunder Chickens. He did play for the Thunder Chickens, as did everybody else in this room. Um, play is a strong word for part of the room. That's Goodness fair. gracious. I forgot what You I and I were both say. designated hitters a lot. And I, catchers I, I, when we I were don't not. know why. <laughs> it's because we needed people. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to keep going? <laughs> yeah. Bill Bailey. All right. Pete, Rest man. in peace. Actually, I was. <laughs> I have seen him. I've seen him every like at least Every twice a week, week for the, since like the start of football season and I will not be seeing him anymore and that does make me sad no you will he's still I, coming I, back I will but like he's, com- he's not nearly here. as often Jeremy Johnson I don't know why I, I will always one. have a soft spot he, for old Jeremy he was here he for, was in studio a couple of times I think we yeah. were in negotiations to get him to yeah. join us for more often yeah isn't he at Carver High School right now I think now? yeah he's he's coaching at Carver High School yeah Cam Barry. He's somewhere. He's yeah. He's here. He's also not uh, currently in the in Atlanta the Falcons, baby. Yeah. Let's take a break. Sounds reset. Go take re- a break. Reset, reset and we'll uh, start to wrap up sports call. Take your phone calls right after this. Tiger ninety five point nine FM. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au this is former auburn football player danny skutak and you are listening to the abbey award-winning sports call auburn Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry having fun. Uh, winding down today's edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Georgia Week for the Tigers. A lot for us to discuss. We kind of went through some former hosts of the program uh, from Zeus calling them out. It'd be something if we did it for all of our callers. Um, <laughs> and sat here and waited for Zeus to say every single one of their names. Uh, but uh, all right, let's go to the phone lines 334 887 3401 or toll free at 1 Tiger 9 as we go to our Auburn Bank phone line. And joining us here on the program, we have got our good pal Jeff from Columbus. Jeff has called into Sports Call. Hi, Jeff. Hey, good afternoon, guys, or good evening, I should say. Hello, hey, sir. Man, good, good. Hey, as you all are going down memory lane and stuff, and I, JJ, you would probably, well, I guess you all went to Auburn here, uh, so maybe you all do know. But it was Kurt, you know, Cameron, right? And he had a sidekick. Um, what was his name? Peck. Last name. Yeah, do, Dan, do, Dan Peck. Do you know Dan Peck. Yeah. Dan Peck. Do you all know him? Absolutely. He and Bill Cameron still do a show across town. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, I only listen to you guys. So. I appreciate so, that. No, the loyalty had, we love. Yes. Yeah, we, we see Dan at yes, the uh, yes. football games each week in the press box. I, I understand. and But uh, Mr. Peck had, had, or had moved off at, at the time, I thought. Yeah. And then they brought in two other gentlemen to host the show. Is that when you came in, J.J.? I was with. Right I was uh, a little bit later. I was after Bill had already left because I actually used to help out Bill at a, a show across town, and uh, I came in right. with Reed Slider and Taylor Jones. Reed yes, exactly. Uh, and what, and Tom Peavy was, was still in the mix, and Bill Bailey was there, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. 
those were the two gentlemen I was talking Correct. about. And Correct. And then they left, and then you came in. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. I was with them for a little bit, and then they left, and I took the full reins and uh, kept Tom around, kept Bill around for a while, yeah. and then found some other knuckleheads well, to come and sit down with me. Man, so. I, I tell you what, you all are all cut from the same mold. Like I told, have said before, I don't understand when y'all sleep or what, you know, because <laughs> how do you know so much about everything, you know? And I know it's a computer day and stuff like that, but you just... It, it amazes me. Man, but, hey, it is Georgia week, and uh, it, it's it's kind of weird not hearing Steve saying how they're going to kill the mighty Georgia Bulldogs and stuff like that. And, you know, what's the line? Like 30 points and stuff like that. So it's all setting up for Auburn to win, and that's what's got me worried. What is it? Rat poison. All this rat poison. So uh, we're going we're gonna to see. But, I hey, what if, and I think somebody's brought this up already, okay, Auburn goes in Athens and East Georgia, and they they beat an old Miss team. They lose to Alabama. They beat the State. Do, I mean, is there anything Harson can do besides going undefeated the rest of the season that would keep him around, even with the state of the recruiting and stuff like that? I think if he beats Georgia, uh, which, again, I don't think that'll happen, but I think if he does beat Georgia, people stop and pause. I think he extends his timeline a little bit. Um, but I, if he does beat Georgia, then yeah, I, I think all he does is push it off to the end of the season, and, and people say, well, okay, let's see how the rest of this goes. But right now, uh, Jeff, the, the rumor is that he will be the head coach for the Georgia game and then the Ole Miss game, and uh, after that, and Auburn, will, and then Auburn will have their bye week, and he'll be fired right before the bye week starts. So. But- but now, is that the rumor you started? Because I remember you reporting <laughs> it first. <laughs> absolutely I think not. You were the I one that had brought it up. I absolutely do yes, my sir. best to not start rumors. I, I am not a reporter. I, no. <laughs> I got you. I go well. Shoot, this uh, this because uh, that that I, I remember when you said that, and I go well, it makes sense. And then, like you were saying, who who do you bring as in as an interim or anything? But does it really matter? Yeah, you that's know, a good question. Uh, the the things that I have seen reported, because uh, again, I, I I don't I don't have insiders. Bring it to the reporter. Anything. Yeah, I don't know anything. So, but uh, people, what I have read says that it would be uh, Zach Etheridge, who is the associate head coach oh. right now. Jeff, that's why I added Brant to the show is because he's got such the storied yeah. career as a reporter. Right, right. <laughs> that, yeah, that, and we were looking for a DH for the Thunder Chickens. You know, I got you. That's what I was about to say. And it, don't let it, it be and, lost and, that in the history, a radio show created a softball right. team. Like, when has that ever yeah. happened? But a radio show created a softball team, among our many and other it, accomplishments, man. And then, uh, um. And also, you got your alignment if you get a flag football team up. Absolutely, that's your forte. I'll be honest, like that, we've got. I, see I you think Jake we've got that. a few linemen here. Got a good line, JJ. I can see you back there. You just got that. Keep on and ready. I really, really think Jeff is complimenting me right now, guys, but he, the, the call is breaking up a little bit. Jeff, let me hear that one more time. I'm sorry. Because I think it was great I'm things saying, you were saying about me. I am saying, yeah, oh, that's why you're going to let me repeat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I said, I said I can see you back there in the quarterback position. Oh, yes. 
everybody go deep on one. I'll I'll hit you. Yeah. You got that. Keep the I, praise I mean, coming. Yeah. I do have that mentality. That's right. Sharing is caring. Yeah. I like to pass the rock around. I know. I can see it. I can see it. I, 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 and on and and you've got the height for it, the build, you know, so you can see over those offensive linemen, you know. Well, I don't know if you can or not. Yeah. I'd have to drop back a little further. But um, hey, no, I love I'm, it. Uh, it's good to hear I, from you, I'm buddy. Hoping, it's good hearing from you, and I may or may not talk to you later on in the week. But please uh, do. Please give uh, us a call. I, Have a good night. Get some I good will. dinner tonight, and talk to us later in the week. Yeah. All right. All right, I enjoyed the show. Thank all you right. all. That's our buddy Jeff from Columbus joining us there on the program. Yeah, I thought he was saying nice things about me. You, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to, I want that repeated. I think, a, I think a Tiger Communications radio station flag football team would have done a lot better when Deshaun Davis and Trevon Reed were here, <laughs> <laughs> and Sammy Coates and all those guys, Jeremy Johnson too, probably. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Brooks? I mean, listen, I I'm just want to know, because, you know, we went down the path of, uh, if we, uh, at the beginning of the show, if we did a fantasy draft for callers whose feelings would get hurt, yeah. I want to know if uh, Brant goes down the path of who would be linemen whose feelings would get hurt. Because he said we got a couple I, linemen, look, a few man, linemen here. Look, I think everybody that is regularly on the show not named Cam Barry probably getting stuck on the line all right that's it um (laughs) now i'm insulted maybe ryan ryan's pretty quick i'm not talking to brant for the rest of the week jeff would be one of my uh first selections if we were drafting callers i'll say that much shout out to jeff from columbus we gotta go guys our nightly tv guy brought to you by white claw available online watch a lot of good things tonight hopefully braves can get a win brant See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Thank you for having me. See you tomorrow. All right. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks (laughs) to Brandon Marcello and Justin Ferguson for joining us. For Brandon Daughtry and Brooks Childress, I'm JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.